uh, dismiss any of the uh, children age uh, four years old through fourth grade. If they want to uh, head down to youth church, they're welcome to do that at this time. Uh, One more announcement that I do want uh, to make before we uh, jump into the sermon here is that is... um, as a result of the, um, the gathering that was uh, to honor Al yesterday, uh, there is some leftover food. And uh, so there is some delicious chicken and ham. And so uh, right after church today, um, uh, free lunch. So if you want lunch, uh, we're going to get together and have lunch down in the, uh, the gymnasium right after church today. And uh, so you're welcome to be a part of that. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Uh, we've been talking for the past uh, several weeks about this idea of be like Jesus, be like Jesus, and kind of the prayer that I said maybe you could be praying along the way here is, uh, God, will you make me a copy, right? Will you make me a copy of Jesus? Will you make me a copy of Jesus? We said a copy machine, you take a blank sheet of paper, you put it into the copy machine, and it spits it out on the other side, and it is a likeness of what is in the machine, The church is to be a place where you come in and then you get Jesus sort of imprinted, his light sort of presses upon you, and then you leave the church and you are more like Jesus. And so we said, uh, make me a copy of Jesus. So be like Jesus. And then the next slide there, Nathan, uh, this is kind of what we've been doing here over the past several weeks. We, we said that Jesus was baptized, and, and what does that mean for me? I should be baptized. And Jesus was tempted right after his baptism, and we're going to face temptation. We talked about those things. Uh, Jesus suffered and will face suffering. Last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that uh, Jesus died, his death. Today we're going to talk about uh, the resurrection And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about his ministry. But last week, we said that Jesus died. What does his death have to do? Jesus' death impresses upon us how much he loves us. It shows us how much he was willing to die for us. It demonstrates his love for us. And this morning, we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus Jesus resurrected from the dead. In order for him to, uh, to be raised from the dead... Uh, we need to be in agreement that Jesus actually died. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Historians tells us, the, the Bible tells us, that uh, Jesus Christ, a real guy, uh, he lived, uh, that uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people followed him and were attracted uh, to him. And then the crowds turned on him. And the Roman government uh, saw to it that he would be nailed to a cross. And that was uh, kind of like strapping someone into an electric chair today. That was the means by which um, the uh, death sentence was uh, given. So they nailed Jesus to a cross. They prop him up. Uh, scripture tells us that they bring a spear. They plunge it into his side, up under his ribs. They puncture his heart. The water runs out. Uh, doctors today would say that that's evidence that he was actually dead on the cross. And then incredible things happen. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, the uh, Bible tells us that all of a sudden the sky goes completely dark and that there was a great earthquake and that rocks split and that literally people came walking out of their graves. What a creepy deal, right? And uh, one of the guards, one of the centurion guards, 
And we're not sure exactly who, uh, Scripture doesn't tell us, but it could very well have been one of the guards that was beating him or plucking out his beard or beating him with rods or placing uh, a coat over him. Uh, We don't know which of the guards it was, but one of the Roman guards, as uh, he was uh, a little while ago mocking and making fun of and taunting uh, this Jesus that was hanging on a cross. When Jesus dies and he breathes his last and all of these incredible things take place, Scripture tells us that he is looking up at Jesus and he declares, sure. Surely this is the Son of God. And he, he can't believe that. Well, um, so they take Jesus' dead body off of the cross, and they take it and they put it in a grave, and uh, they uh, they roll a stone over the top of that, and they're concerned that because Jesus was such a revolutionary guy and, and thousands of people were following him, they wanted to make sure that it would be shut down and be completely dumb. So they get the Roman guards, and the guards go, and they guard the graveside because they don't want anybody to be able to tamper with this or start anything, and uh, they put the guards in place. So what happens? Three days after they put Jesus in the grave, Jesus comes walking out of the grave. Jesus comes walking out of the grave. Jesus comes walking out of the grave. Listen to this. The book of Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, After his suffering, that would be all of the suffering that Jesus, after he was arrested and mocked and on trial and then on the cross and then goes into the grave and comes out of the grave. After he had suffered those things, he showed himself uh, to these men that would have been all of the disciples that he was traveling with and and other others, lots and lots of other people and gave many convincing proofs. I want you to kind of bump the person next to you and say convincing proofs. Convincing proofs, uh, not not uh, weak proofs, not, well, there's a lot of speculation there. He gave them a lot of convincing proofs, convincing proofs that uh, he was alive. Uh, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus walked around Jerusalem for 40 days after he uh, raised from the dead. He walked around Jerusalem. He was bumping into people. He was dining and eating with people. He was walking through walls. We don't, we don't know how. He had a new resurrected body. He literally could touch uh, Thomas's hands, and, and he was talking with him and the others. And then Scripture tells us that he appeared before crowds of more than 500 people that were eyewitnesses, and they were like, dude, that's the guy. That's the guy. We saw them put him on the cross, and he's dead. We put, they put him, in, and he is alive. And they were so convinced uh, that uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people put uh, their uh, faith and trust in, in the fact that Jesus was risen. In fact, um, his uh, uh, scholars would say, um, historians would say that within 20 years of the resurrection of Jesus, that more than half of Jerusalem had become Christians because they were convinced of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, they were so convinced that Jesus raised from the dead. So what's that mean? Uh, Jesus uh, raised from the dead. What, what's the implication uh, for us today? Jesus raised from the dead. What's that mean to us? Well, get your bulletin out. Sharpen up your pencil. And now listen, there's a tiny little line in your bulletin that you got to write a big, long thing in there. So write small, write small, or maybe double stack that or something. But here you go. Write this down. Jesus' resurrection shows us God's power. Shows us God's power. It took divine power to raise Jesus from the dead. And that power is available 
to us when we accept Jesus as our Savior. It took divine power to make a dead man come back to life and walk around. And that power is available to you and to me when Jesus is our Savior. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 20 says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, he says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. The power of the resurrection is available to you when you give your life to Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has a power to raise Jesus from the dead? Do you believe that that power is then available to you? Anybody ever watch a Rose Bowl parade? Rose Bowl parade watchers? Anybody want to claim that? Uh, they do that every year. Uh, on uh, you know New Year's Day, you get up, you know, you're really hungover. No, this is church. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Okay. So um, and so, I'm just wondering if you're paying any attention whatsoever, right? And so uh, you get up on New Year's Day, and um, and uh, you watch the Rose Bowl parade out there in Pasadena, California. And there's, you know, they they give all that commentary about this one's sponsored by, and it has this many tulips on it, or that many roses, or whatever the the deal is. And and they're all going by. Well, um, apparently, uh, I learned this a long time ago when I was a little kid. Apparently, there was uh, people out there. You know, millions of people all over the world watch this parade. And, and tens of thousands of people go and they line the, the parade route. Well, uh, one year, uh, back in the 70s, uh, the parade was going by and it was going by and it was going by and all of a sudden they look back and it's like, okay, that, that, that's not the end, is it? That's not the end. And sure enough, the, the cameras go over and then there's these guys that are running with gas cans up to a float. A float had run out of gas and it was completely stopped on the parade route. So they had to fill it up with gas, and then it kind of starts back up and makes its way down. The interesting thing about that is that the float that ran out of gas was sponsored by Standard Oil. (laughs) One of the largest gas companies in the entire world, and they have all the gas that anybody could ever want, and it ran out of gas. Sometimes that's me. Sometimes... That's you. We have access to all of the power that the universe has ever known. And we're running around. Right? Running out of gas. Running out of gas. Do you believe that Jesus Christ raised from the dead? That God called him up out of the grave and that he has the authority and the power to conquer death. And that we will go from this life to the next life, whether we go to be with Jesus or not. He has the power to raise from the dead. That power has been extended to us when we accept Jesus as our Savior. Here's the thing. We're all going to meet Jesus. We're all going 
to meet Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52 says, It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. That means this will happen when we die or for those of us that are still alive. When Jesus returns, poof, we're out of here. And we're going to meet Jesus. But what does the resurrection mean for you and me? If we have access to that power, what does that mean for us? Sharpen your pencil, get out your pen, get ready to write. It means this. The power of the resurrection is the power to start over. It's the power to start over. Is your life kind of a mess? Um, There's a uh, great theologian that once wrote, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All of the king's horses and all of the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Sometimes we feel like that. I've fallen and I can't get up. We feel like uh, I've fallen spiritually. And I don't know if there's a way out. I failed financially. I failed in my marriage. I failed as a parent. I failed as a child. I have failed. And I'm so broken, will I ever get put back together again? Sometimes we're misguided in into what we look to fix things. Um, It's not uncommon today to kind of watch the news and shake your head and say, what's going on with this country? And we think that the government can fix that. Sometimes we're misguided and we see that there are people that are hurting and impoverished and they need something to eat. And we think, well, somebody ought to step up and fix that. It requires a transformed people empowered by God to make change and to help other people make change. The power of the resurrection is the power to start over. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Isaiah 61.3 I will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Putting ashes was a sign of shame. You had done something wrong and you need to let everybody else know you had done something wrong and that you were sorry for what you had done. And so you cover your head with ash and Maybe you see that on Ash Wednesday. It's a similar type thing. But Jesus came to remove that and to put a crown on us that says, that's one of my kids. And I love them. And I forgive them. Here's a peculiar one. Joel said it this way in chapter 2, verse 25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And so you're a farmer 
and you've worked really hard and your crop looks good and then the locust comes in and wipes it out. Kind of Humpty Dumpty kind of a deal. But he's going to repay you. The locust came and destroyed, but God will rebuild. Scripture over and over again, it just talks about this idea that God knows that we fail. And we fail, and we fail, and we fail. And the Bible is one long story of people, uh, by the power of God, getting back up and moving forward and falling. And God's coming along. He's always picking people up and bringing them along and picking them up and saying, let's go. Let's come on. Come on. We can do this. Let's just keep moving along. God can restore your life. When we let him. Sometimes we try to keep God at arm's length. But if we're willing to humble ourselves and and, and to turn to God and say, God, I know know you can raise Jesus from the dead. That power is, that's who you are. You're God. And I I want to tap into that power. I want to be close to you, God. Help me get closer to Jesus. And I need that power. I need that power to fix my marriage. I need that power to restore and fix the relationship with my kids or my coworkers. And I hang on to this resentment and this bitterness and I can't seem to release that. And I, anger comes so quick to me and I need that power to, to peel that stuff out of me and to be transformed into being more the person that you want me to be and less the person that I, I wrestle with and help. Father, I need that power in me to start over. God gives you a power in him And you can be made new. Do you want to be made new? Write this down. The power of the resurrection is the power to keep going. To keep going. To keep going. Uh, Sometimes we try and fail and try and fail and then we kind of give up. But that's not what the power is there for. The fact that God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, and then he says, and that power is also accessible and available to you, that is the power to keep moving. The power to persevere. The power not just to start, but to stay. To keep moving. To be close to Jesus and to stay in that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, that's a mouthful. And do everything through him who gives me strength? Yes. Yes, yes, everything. And so does that mean, you know, I'm going to be able to go outside and pick up your car and you're going to change your tire and I'm going to put your car back down? Well, um, that everything, I can do everything. If I am interested in being closer to Jesus, then what's going to happen is my will is going to be transformed into the will of God. That means I'm really the only thing I'm going to desire is what Jesus would desire in me. And when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's going to help me to be more loving. And there's times when it's really hard to be loving. It's hard to be loving the people even that you care about. It's hard to be loving the people that, you know, cut you off on the road or whatever, they work, wherever that is. It's hard to be loving. But when we're empowered 
and we're leaning in and God starts us over, he will give us the power to stay in relationship with him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast. What's cast mean? Throw it, chuck it, heave it, drop it, remove it, get rid of it, sweep it out the door, make it go away, get rid of it. Cast all of your anxiety, those things that I'm frustrated with and about and feel like, well, why doesn't this get better and that doesn't get better and how come this? Give it to God. Cast it. Cast it. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God loves you. That power that he has, he loves you with it. He loves you with that power. If your problem is big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Take it to God. He can sustain you. Write this down. The power of the resurrection is the power to finish life confidently. That's pretty good, right? Not just start, not just drudge along, but to thrive, to be confident in today that God is with me and his power and his spirit is within me and that God can strengthen me to take on the challenge that is today. I've gone through difficult things, but today is a new day, and God is with me, and his spirit is within me. And because of that, I can move forward. You don't just need Christ because you might have a bad day today. You need Christ because you want to face tomorrow, and tomorrow is going to have its share of things too. And so we lean into the power of God. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, Here he is. We don't like this guy, the thief. Nobody likes a thief. Nobody likes a thief. You ever had something stolen from you? Man, I remember one time I had had a nice video camera, and I left it in the front seat of my car, and I went into my office for a few minutes. I came back out, and it had gone. Somebody had stolen. When I was a kid, oh, man, I had a 1969 VW Bug, and I saved up money. Great stereo in there with a powered equalizer, and, oh, man, it is so loud. And I got out and went in my car one day, and somebody had stolen my stereo. I was so bummed. I, I don't, nobody likes a thief. Nobody likes a thief. I don't like a thief. But the thief, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. The thief does that, to kill it, to steal joy, to make it go away. The thief does that. It's the devil's job. It's what he does. He tries to take away joy. He tries to wreck life, marriages, and relationships, and and, and people. And he steals all of that. He, He steals it. Good thing that God has more power than the devil. Because the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full question. What is a full life? Do you have a full life? 
having a full life is the power to overcome the devil and his schemes and his lies and those things that he wants to steal from you. Jesus came that we would have a full life to overcome addictions and fears and hate and resentment. That's having a full life. You, ever, you know those people that <clears throat> there's, they're, uh, they're old and they're happy. They're old and they're happy. Um, there's a guy, uh, I, I drive school bus and, and uh, Lori, Lori's my boss and her dad's that name is Pete. Pete's 94 years old and he is a World War II vet and, uh, and Pete's one of my favorite people um, because every once in a while, Lori brings him to work and he just kind of sits in the, in the office there. And uh, I'll walk up to uh, Pete and say, hey, how's it going? And he'll just sit there. And, and the first thing he always does, he laughs. He just laughs. <laughs> oh, yeah, ah, it's a good day. I'm still here. You know, yeah, well, what are you going to do later today? And he laughs. <laughs> oh, oh, well, yeah, I'm probably going to go have some lunch, you know. And you ask him another question, you know, are you going to be here tomorrow? And he laughs. <laughs> He's a happy guy. He's just, ha- everybody likes that guy, right? Everybody likes that happy guy. The thief comes to do all of these things. Nobody likes the grumpy guy. Everybody likes the happy guy. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience. And God says, I have this power that I want to give to you. I want to give that power to you. To have healthy relationships. To have more peace and more joy. This is the evidence that the power of the resurrection is true. When we tap into the power and we, and we get close to Jesus. We spend time in his word. We pray. We gather together, we fortify and strengthen one another. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's the role of the church, that we would come together believing in the power of the resurrection and that God wants to put that power inside of us to be the people he calls us to be. Uh, church, if you're like me and you were baptized a long time ago and you're a Christian, our challenge this week is to live like that power is the real deal to live that way. To be bold in it. If you're not a Christian or if you're not sure if you're a Christian and you've never been baptized into Christ, your first step is to accept Jesus and the work that he has done for you on the cross to have your sins forgiven, to gain access to his power that he wants to put to work in you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, that's a conversation I would like to have with you. We can talk about it. Steve, what's it mean to be a Christian? We'll sit down. We'll talk. But whatever God is laying on your heart, let's pray and ask him to do a good work through us. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son. 
Thank you for the fact that you demonstrated to us how much you love us by putting your son to death on a cross to pay for our sins. Thank you for demonstrating your power through the resurrection. Help us to lean into it and to claim it in our life. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. This might take-